The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith. Financial advisor, certified financial planner uh, with a master's degree in financial analysis, and my co-host Ethan Broga is joining us today. He's also a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning, right, Ethan? That's right, Ken. Head of our investment planning committee at our at our firm, Empirical Wealth Management. This show is designed to share with professional advisors and individual investors insights on how to make smart financial, a lifetime of smart financial decisions, whether it be in your investment strategy or your financial planning components of your wealth plan. Mm -hmm. Ethan, why don't you give out our contact information and um, tell our listeners how we can help them. Sounds good. Uh, As always, we can be reached at contact at empiradio.com or here at the office at 800 923-4307. And when you call or email, feel free to just uh, mention Ken or my name in the radio show. Um, If you're an individual investor, as always, we would welcome a chance to to help you with your investments. Uh, We would love to have you in, get to know you a bit, and help you build an investment strategy that's uh, more likely to get you where you want to go than than any other we can can think of. And also, if you're... um, uh, an advisor out there looking to partner with a, a firm. Perhaps you have a, a, a small practice now that you've been building yourself and would like to reach uh, economies of scale more quickly. We'd love to talk with you as well. We have developed a great process and infrastructure over the years to help uh, our clients, and we'd love to pass that information and knowledge on to you while you can focus primarily on building your own business and servicing your clients. I think in our practice, our vision, Ethan, is to change the way financial advice is delivered in our industry by putting our clients first and backing with that with the way that we structure our firm all the from the ground up the way we make decisions about how we conduct research um, how we are compensated Mm -hmm. the rigor and uh, demands that we put on the educational process of our advisors making sure that they're qualified that there isn't an environment where they're 
being paid to sell products to our, to our clients. So I think it's being a financial advisor in these current times is a very large responsibility that shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, and it shouldn't be something that uh, I see a lot of where people take on this. They, they come into our profession uh, as kind of a second thought. You know, I, I spent my most of my life doing a variety of odd jobs, and I thought I'll just be a financial advisor and start giving people advice. And, and not to say that there's anything wrong with changing your profession. Mm-hmm. I just think that the clients, the investors out there, and if you're an advisor, uh, you, you should be in a structured system where if you don't have a lot of experience or credentials in doing this, uh, we all tend to have this this ego thing that, that makes us feel like we're smarter. Maybe we did well. Uh, it's funny, Ethan, a lot of times when we interview interns for our firm here, they'll come to me and say, well, I won a, a, a investment contest in my finance class. Mm-hmm. And then I'll drill down and say, what was, what was going on in that contest? Well, we were picking stocks. Um, we had to pick 20 or 30 stocks or 10 stocks. And, and I kind of crack up because, you know, clearly that doesn't qualify you to refill my oolong tea that I just purchased <laughs> here, uh, much less manage someone's life savings. Right. So I, I think a lot of the sales stuff that goes around um, and clients being shown, you know, I was telling you, Ethan, that I was driving around on Sunday and listen to one of the local radio stations, one of the AM channels. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there was a purported advisor going on and on about um, how advisors who who uh, embrace asset allocation, diversification, using stocks and bonds and those types of asset classes have, have done a, their clients a great disservice and um, that her, her strategy was promising. And I was blown away that she could even say this so I, I have a very strong belief that she must be doing it some form of insurance product because i think they're under a different set of regulations mm-hmm. than we are with the sec they can get away with saying some of these things but that you know there's a guaranteed uh, rate unlimited upside participation um just wild wacky stuff and we're going to talk about that on next week's show we're going to talk about some of these equity linked uh insurance products that guarantee a, a specific minimum rate of return or guarantee your investment. And what's wrong with those? We'll tear them apart, and we're going to have Steve Gouchard on our show, who's one of our chartered financial analysts and one of our lead analysts in our firm. We'll explain uh, with the empirical data why why these are not all they're cracked up to be. Right. And clearly it became apparent to me that this woman who was not doing the show, um, she didn't talk about her experience in the industry or her her credentials or education in this. And not to say that that's everything, again, um, but if you're out there randomly picking stocks because you had a good experience in your own personal account or you happen to take a, you know, work, do something with a company, and um, you know, you'll probably need to reexamine what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's a pretty serious, we take it extremely serious. Uh, every aspect of what we do, we look and say, well, is this really the best possible alternative for our clients? Would I do this in my own account? Would I do this with my mo- mother's mm-hmm. account, my father, my grandfather, my wife, my family, those kinds of things? Um, if you wouldn't or you're not certain or you're not that confident that you would have uh, put one of your family members into what you're doing, I, 
I don't know why you, sh you shouldn't be doing it for your clients. Anyway, Ethan, I, I'm sorry I, I digressed. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, you're saying that you know if you're out there, you want to do the right thing for clients, you want a system, uh, you want to work with some some people who've done this for quite some time. I've had a great deal of success for our clients, not because of any magic or voodoo that we do, um, but because we embrace, we, we kind of cut through the nonsense and the noise of what goes on in Wall Street, and we embrace the empirical data, the, the evidence, the academic evidence in terms of what's really worked and what hasn't, what's nonsense. And it's hard to filter that out in today's times. That's true. It's an information overload out there, and everyone's coming with some silver bullet strategy that may have worked in the past short-term period of time that they want to put, they want to basically get your money and separate you from your money. Um, and whether it's being, hey, right now, the going through, going through, if you had gone through this this market crisis and you were one of those investors that got conned by one of these salespeople into leaving or abandoning a prudent, well-thought-out, diversified strategy with an advisor who was, who was in a fiduciary capacity mm -hmm. um, to go put your money into a guaranteed annuity or something of that nature, you don't probably realize in the immediate period of time the mistake that you're making. It'll be over the next 20 or 30 years when you start losing to inflation or you some of the um, unsavory aspects of these uh, you want to li liquidate it early or, or other things come and, and hit you. <clears throat> right. So anyway, then I thought, uh, what were we on at the time here? I thought today we could talk a little bit about, um, in, in Barron's publishes their list of, uh, it's the Barron's slash Lipper ranking of the top mutual fund families. And so this is for 2011. This was uh, published February 5th here, just right. recently. And... Uh, uh, Interestingly enough, one of the fund companies that we have a great deal of respect for and we've utilized for several several years, actually, for our clients, uh, Dimensional Fund Advisors was ranked number one uh, in their U.S. category, I believe it was, uh, among other fund families. And I thought we could talk about that. And, you know, when I see these kinds of rankings and listings, I get very nervous about what the implications are <laughs> and what average investors will do when they get a hold, or advisors, actually. I mean, advisors fall victim to this kind of stuff as often probably as many individual investors do. So I'd love to, to talk about that, Ethan. I think it sounds good. All righty then. Well, one thing is what, you know, we've used dimensional fund advisors for a long time, not when they got to the top of the list. And the CEO of the company, as you read through the article, the Barron's article, David Booth, mm -hmm. he even said, you know, I, I'm surprised. I don't expect to see our fund family or any subset of it to be on a year on an on a year-over-year -year basis. You know, right, this is for 2010 that they were evaluating right. to be number one in an asset class. And so that's pretty interesting, and I think that's pretty unique, right? Uh, how often do you see a fund family, any of these other funds that are listed here as number one, so, uh, the CEO of those companies going, well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I wouldn't expect our fund to be in the be number one or be in the very top. <laughs> right there, that's a very unique and interesting thing, right? No doubt. Um, and there's a reason for that, uh, because you know, Dimensional Funds, which was founded back in the 80s, mm -hmm. when they 
Eugene Fama's very heavily involved in the day, and he was a, he's a professor at the University of Chicago and started publishing research uh, back in the 60s on what became the efficient market hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And it's become very well-known and broadly uh, discussed and debated. There's a lot of controversy over the implications of an efficient the efficient market sure. hypothesis. But in general, what he what he and guys like Ken French and David Booth and Rex Singfeld and other guys that were involved in the company, and it was interesting because we had Ibit, Roger Ibbotson on, yep. and he sits on their board of directors, actually. Right. So you have some really bright academics uh, who are working with Dimensional, and not only the key guys are the board, but they also have very smart people working for them, uh, if you've had a chance to meet any of them. And what's interesting about them is they started to document with the research that was being done on small company stocks. Um, and that was one of the things Fama was looking at. And French, they published a paper in the early 90s. But they actually launched a microcap fund, which was really small companies back in the 80s, early 80s. Yeah, 81, I think. Uh, and their general idea was that research done by other academics previous to them even showed that, hey, small companies tend to have a higher rate of return than larger companies do. Um, so they began to really build their niche launching strategies that did the best possible job of, of capturing those small company returns. Uh, they also found and did research that showed, well, value companies tend to do better than growth companies for very specific reasons. Uh, these are as asset classes, not individual, hey, I have to pick the right small companies or the right value. But if we have a good methodology for dividing the market up, uh, those entire groups of stocks do better. Ethan, let's pause. We've got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll pick up on this and talk a little bit more about Dimensional and this Barron, Barron's uh, Top Fund Family article. Sounds good. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. 
autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We are talking about Barron's uh, ranking of the top mutual fund families. And um, for the U.S., it was the U.S. strategies, right, Ethan? That's right. And Dimensional Fund Advisors was the number one uh, fund family. Yep. Which we only point them out specifically because it's a fund family that we've used for, for several years uh, for many of the asset classes that we invest in. They typically are available to investors on an institutional level, which just means you need to have an advisor to access them. They don't have a, a read. They don't have an ETF exchange traded fund that you can buy, uh, or their funds aren't in that version. They don't have open-ended mutual funds that you can just buy on a Schwab or uh, other broker platform. Right. You may see them in four hundred one k's or on some broker uh, managed stuff, but. Typically, it's it's you need some advisor, some connection to get into their funds, and it's just a decision they made early on, uh, because of the way they they believe, and that most investors should have a financial advisor, um, and so that's the way they wanted to, and it helps them to manage the operating efficiencies of the fund, because mm-hmm. as we've talked about, a lot of times investors are uh, pulling money out of the market. When uh, when the market's gone down and putting tons of money in the market when it's at a peak, right? And so the kind of the fickleness of the uh, average investor out there pulling money in and out can make certain strategies very difficult to keep an edge on the cost efficiency. Sure. So if you're running a very small company fund, uh, it's a uh, like we were talking about their first fund was a microcap fund, and you have investors yanking money in and out very frequently it becomes could be very expensive to keep trading in and out of those types of stocks 
as an example. Yeah, right. Those are less liquid securities, so it makes sense. So one of the ways that if you look at the returns on their funds um, in a variety of asset classes, you see that they've been able to add return over standard index funds. And what we haven't talked about yet is exactly how they run those funds. Um, and one of their key tenants, as David Booth quotes in this Barron's article, is they believe in in massive amounts of diversification, in essence. They mm-hmm. believe in investors should be very, very diversified. And across their strategies, the different strategies they have, they'll have exposure to 13,000 stocks, uh, which is a lot of stocks. So this comes back to, well, why did David Booth say, I wouldn't expect to be, you know, in the top, in number one fund family or in the top of performance, they tend to be in the middle of the pack. And Yeah, in any one year, you expect them, in fact, David Booth points out in the article, I expect to be on average, you know, slightly better than average in any, in any given year. So it is a bit unusual to be, you know, the top top performer in any given year just because they have such a quantitative approach. You know, in other words, no, there's no active management in the traditional sense going on there. Right. So it's and they have such high levels of diversification. You know, it's more akin to index style of investing in that sense. They have you know, literally hundreds or rather thousands of positions in many of the mutual funds. To so to be at the top of the performance pile is pretty amazing. Right. So this kind of goes to the and I think this is a very very key component of investing that investors should tune into and and try to grasp if possible. But a guy by the name of uh, Bill Sharp, a Nobel Prize winner, mm-hmm. uh, was doing. He's published a lot of research, but he's wrote a paper called The Arithmetic of uh, Market Returns. And basically uh, what he was saying is, hey, everybody who's invested in the market together as a big group, we will get market returns minus the expenses that we incur to invest. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, at some point, if I own an index that owns all the stocks, I will always get market returns minus the expense of that index. However, in any one year, for example, you'll have uh, several, there's several thousand managers out there trying to beat the market by picking stocks. So instead of owning all the stocks in the U.S. market, they'll own a handful or a, a, uh, a sample of those stocks in order and with the goal of trying to beat the stock. And in any, but we can't. They can't all beat the market, right? So everyone who's out there picking stocks or holding a, a set of stocks, a subset of the market, mm-hmm. should have, you know, may have in their mind the idea that hey, I'm going to beat the market by doing this. Um, but the problem is that we can't all be above average. That's so right. So there's going to be those investors who do better than the market average or the market as a whole, and those who do worse minus their expenses. So what Dave is saying is, hey, when we're building incredibly diversified strategies, in any one year, we'll tend to fall somewhere in the middle of the pack. It's over longer periods of time, and this isn't covering a longer period. It was only a one-year period that they ranked the fund families. Mm -hmm. It's over a longer period of time that that middle-of-the-pack strategy winds up being in the very, very top of strategies. So if you said, geez, if we looked back on the microcap fund that DFA runs uh, in a in a very diversified way, um, from the life of that fund to now, if we compared it with all other microcap managers, which there were very few back then, um, they're going to be in the very very top ten percent of performance. So it's pretty unique. I think it's a um, it's a concept that I think a lot of people don't get. 
uh, why would I, why would I, and it, you know, the active managers out on Wall Street and the brokers and all these guys say, hey, you don't want to be average. You know, there's so many funds out there that have beat the market. Why would we waste our time being average? And you may be listening and you may be one of those advisors mm-hmm. um, that you honestly believe that you're adding value to your clients through the either stock selection or you're picking managers, whether it's a mutual fund or a separate account in which their goal is to beat their particular index, uh, or you're doing you're using index funds, but you're engaging in some kind of a market or sector rotation strategy with the idea that you're going to be able to interpret the oolong monkey tea leaves uh, <laughs> better than the next guy. Right. The problem is we may all feel confident, we all may be pretty bright, but it's that very confidence and that very intelligence that makes markets very hard to beat. Mm-hmm. So this ties back into what Fama was doing early on. So you say, well, DFA, they created these funds that were capturing return premiums that they had identified should come with small companies and value companies. But a continuation of that research, or, or at the very beginning of it, was, hey, we're not going to try to beat markets um, or beat the indexes in these areas by picking stocks because that's a fool's game mm-hmm. because of this arithmetic of the market discussion we're having here. We'll do far better for our investors if we efficiently capture the returns of each of these asset classes that we build. Now, what what does what other concepts does research or the academic work, the empirical evidence show us? Well, it was, hey, we, we might want to be in foreign markets, not just our home country, just as we wouldn't want to own our stock portfolio to be all in Microsoft simply because we live in Seattle, right? Right. There's no extra reward, and risk isn't going down because you and I happen to live very close to to Bill Gates. Uh, I mean, maybe you're in his neighborhood. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> what I mean by that is, you know, we're we're here in Seattle, and it it doesn't lower the risk. So why would we over or increase our return over someone who lives in New York that buys Microsoft? Japanese investors probably learned a pretty tough uh, lesson for several decades. They've had pretty poor returns, um, but they've had a 70% home bias. 70% of their portfolios are greater. We're in Japanese stocks. U.S. investors have that same bias. Sure. So what we're saying here is that DFA has built a set of funds that were based on these research principles that have nothing to do with Wall Street's agenda uh, of churn and burn create commissions, underwriting, uh, investment, uh, bringing investments public or underwriting investment securities, all the bad stuff that goes on. What they're trying to do is say, hey, this this is how capitalists work, capital markets work. How do we extract the, the greatest amount of return with the least amount of unrewarded risk out of these portfolios? So we don't accept what scares me about these articles, Ethan, uh, is that for the average person who might read this or advisor, the the what's the implication? I mean, what are they what are they insinuating by pr- producing this report, Ethan? You tell me. Well, obviously, most folks use interpret this information as, "Hey, I need to go load up on DFA funds right now." Now is a good time to be in DFA funds, right? For the U.S. part, right? Yeah, right. And then they have the ranking for the merging and yeah. foreign parts and bond parts, right? Right, exactly. Which is a bit of a risk, right? I mean. You don't want typically being flooded with money is a good thing, but uh, for these funds, maybe not so much. Might eliminate 
uh, or be difficult to manage the potential inflows. And that's partly why I'm sure that DFA has a has a, the propensity to usually work with advisors and these types of things to help con control the cash flows in and out of these things, or you know, acts act as a as a spigot as it will as it were as a little bit to help control the flow. Right. Well, DFA. W one of the other interesting things uh, while we're on that topic, either was uh, Morningstar did a study not too long ago, and they looked at the the, the difference in the printed or stated returns of mutual funds and what's called the dollar weighted return on mutual fund right. companies. DFA had one of the highest dollar weighted returns. You want to explain that? Yeah, sure. I mean, DFA had it for the year. I forget which year it was. Um, well, I think it was over a period of time. I don't think it was one individual okay. year. We can dig that up and talk about it a little more next week. But right. But how much time do we have here? We've got uh, approximately thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. All right. So well, you, usually when uh, you hear performance being measured by, it, by <laughs> I'll talk faster if I can. Okay. Um, by a mutual fund company, they're they're doing the time weighted return. It just means that you started the year with one dollar, and how did that dollar performance wise end up at the end of the year? Doesn't account for cash flows in or out. Which is good. You want to know what the return was for the period of time that one dollar was invested. However, there is another way to measure performance, which has to do with cash flows in and out. Oh boy. We'll hold that thought right there. Okay. We'll come back and we'll explain that, <laughs> and we'll get back into this. We'll be right back. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We are talking about the Barron's uh, ranking, Barron's Lipper ranking of top mutual fund families, and um, really trying to get getting into the part about what is the meaning of all this, Basil? <laughs> what does it all mean? What does it all mean, Basil? Um, and so I had asked Ethan, my trusty sidekick Ethan here, uh, <laughs> Hey, what, so what are they implying? What's the implication of this article, right? And we were saying that, well, for most people, it'd be like, hey, I, I think I might want to invest some money with some of these top fund families. That's how it usually works, right? You, right? A big old headline comes out, and hey, top mutual funds of 1990, whatever, or 2010. And that makes people want to buy the magazine, and probably it means there's going to be an inflow of dollars, usually, to those top funds. That's right. And our view on that is, hey, we've been using... Dimensional came in number one for the U.S. strategies, and they tend to be pretty highly ranked across the global strategies as well. Yeah. But our view is we're using them, and we've used them for, I don't know, almost a decade. Uh, <laughs> not not because they were on some top list. Um, and yeah. If anything, the fact that they're on the list makes me more nervous uh, than than solidifying what what uh, our use of the fun it makes me it's a little yeah. funny because they're comparing the the DFA's the top of the, the top of the heap this last one year and the rest of fun family as far as I know of are not the same type of style right they're they're not quantitatively run mutual fund families right <laughs> they're all active <laughs> I mean in other words they're at, they're they're building the funds on the premise that the the manager of those funds can can either pick the best better stocks to beat the market or be timing in and out of the market successfully to gain higher returns DFA uh, absolutely abhors that strategy. And it's ironic in, in, in big sense that that's what happened. It's the opposite of what you'd expect, right? Uh, not, not you and I can, but the at-large general media, I think. It's a funny thing. Yeah. Because DFA, again, it runs a quantitative style of, of, of management. They uh, categorize a, a group of stocks. They get consistent exposure to that group of, of stocks, and they don't change it. That's right. <laughs> so the outcome to be is a bit surprising, I think, in, in the... For most folks, if they understood what was going on there, they'd be surprised that that's what's going on. And I think the the issue, or what I would be nervous about, is that people would flood and 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 want to be in any one of these fund families because the category they're in had done well right. last year, right? And they rose to the top. When there's frequently the style uh, goes in and out in terms of what what's in vogue or what does well recently, and so that means even within DFA funds. We're not putting all of our money in one of their strategies that happen to be number one right. uh, in one particular year. We're we're building a globally diversified portfolio with many different asset investment asset classes. And then we are looking for funds that meet our requirements for diversification, for expense, mm-hmm. uh, for tax efficiency, 
Um, and for general, how does the fund management work? You know, is there a good structure that we can get behind in terms of how well is the how well is the fund family run? Do they have stability? Do we trust our clients' assets with that company uh, because of the various criteria that we use? So it's not that the, the risk is even when you it, it would be a step for investors to be using funds that are more diversified, we'll call them, or right. structured asset structured asset class funds. Index funds are one option for that. Uh, and that would be a step forward, but investors make mistakes even in that approach by chasing the hot index fund. Yeah. And I laugh when I watch CNBC or some of these other um, publications or shows where they're talking about a particular ETF or fund as if that's the strategy. So if the Egypt fund did well, right, they're talking about that as if that's the strategy versus, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the example that I, I recently saw, and I was kind of disillusioned by the whole thing because it's, it is it is complicated, but oftentimes um, it's as if the guy who's running the Vanguard Emerging Markets Fund is doing something special. So that's why you should be investing in the Vanguard Emerging Markets Fund rather than understanding that it's because of its it's an it's a passive fund that is properly diversified and owns a lot of different emerging markets at a very low cost. And so some of that gets lost when these guys like DFA get thrown in with a bunch of other active managers and ranked. You lose the real value of what, what's going on there. Yeah, and uh, more important than all this is under, un, understanding your selected investment strategy. What tools you use, i.e. what mutual funds you actually use to Im implement the strategy is something different. Right. You have to have some fundamental principles about how best to invest, period. And then you should then seek out the best tools to execute that strategy. Uh, for, but if you're just going off the top of the list, picking up the top fund managers, you're, you're going from the, the wrong direction. You should be going from the bottom up, not the top down. Hey, real quick, getting back to this... Um, time-weighted. Yeah, the time-weighted yeah. versus dollar-weighted thing. So I was saying before the break that the time-weighted returns, are, which are frequently published for mutual funds, you, that's what's normally displayed when you look up performance for mutual funds, time-weighted returns. And it simply is just for the return for a given period of time, assuming no money went in or out. But clearly, the, the, there are, like, you know, 2009 is a perfect example, right? You started the year at one level. The market went down to market low at March 9th, then then rallied back to the end of the year. Now, clearly, your performance would be vastly different. You know, your experience could be vastly different depending on if you made deposits or withdrawals during that period of time. Right. Right. If you got in at the beginning of the year, then sold March 9th, didn't get back in, you had a negative experience for the year. That's right. You know, if you bought in at the beginning of the year and held on the whole time, you had a positive experience for the year. So the idea between dollar-weighted and time-weighted is that dollar-weighted accounts, dollar-weighted returns, rather, account for the, 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 the flow of cash, the cash flow in and out of the specific mutual fund. And the idea is that while the fund may have uh, provided good returns on a time-weighted basis, the investor could experience um, something quite different you know, if you put money in and out of the fund at the wrong time, well, basically. Here's, in this Barron article, Ethan, here's an example of a dollar-weighted situation. So they say, you know, starting year-to-date here from January 1 to January 26 of the new year, $11.8 billion flowed into U.S. large growth and value equity funds, more than triple the $2.8 billion that went into international stocks. But in 2010, $74 billion flowed out of U.S. stock funds, uh, while $42.7 came into international stocks 
and a gargantuan $213 billion poured into taxable bond funds. <laughs> so in a year last year, we were, when we were going through the returns, right, small cap had done 30%. Yeah. Um, now, this, is, this has been this pouring of bond funds and money. Um, it, at least these were positive flows into some of the equity. But right. I think during 2009, 2008, there was a huge outpour. Money was coming out of equity Net, yeah. um, at the worst possible time. The return on these inv- the investor who pulled his money out of stock, bought and bonds, then bought bonds, right, and then put money back in is putting money back into stocks is different than the guy who just held stocks the entire time, right? Okay. So what's what's well, hey or or different okay. or different than the person who rebalanced back to their n- normal target after stocks declined? That's true. You know the, the effect of rebalancing also has an impact on on dollar returns, even though your time weighted returns may be. Unchanged. So the problem is the market goes down 50%. You pull your money out. Maybe you were lucky enough to get out before it went down a full 50 from peak to bottom, right? Maybe it only went down 30%. Or maybe it went down 40 I don't know. Then you the market goes up 100%, right? But you didn't get back in. Um, so basically between from now to then, if you sat in cash... If you've sat in cash this whole time, right, you've locked in, a, a, you're down 30 or 40%. Right. That's your dollar-weighted return, minus whatever little parse, you know, you've, interest you earned on cash or CDs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might still be down 30 or 40%, depending on when you got out, or 50 if you got out the very bottom. Certainly there were people who did, because a large amount of money was pouring out of equity funds all the way through to the bottom. The guy who just sat there and held tight, um, he could be potentially pretty close to even now. So his return, instead of a loss of 40%, right, is even. Well, what's interesting about all that, Ethan, is that the DFA was one of the only fund companies where the, where the actual return investors got on that dollar-weighted basis. Yeah, it was higher. was higher than the, than the published weighted. return. Amazing. So when you see these star manager funds, right, um, a lot of times these great returns for the last 10 years, we were just talking about one recently. I forgot which one it was. Uh, that was in another article that ranked funds. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that very few investors actually were around earlier in the fund life. Maybe there was a, you know, $500 million in the fund when it did very well for several years. And it's maybe it's an average for the last five years, but still has a 10-year return that's phenomenal, right? Yeah. The problem is that maybe 80% of the client's investors' money didn't come in until the second five-year period. <laughs> so they didn't get yeah. these phenomenal returns, and oftentimes they get lower. So the fact that DFA was the only fund company that had these higher dollar-weighted uh, funds is a testament to the fact that the investors are using advisors who aren't letting them yank money at the worst possible time. There's a disciplined approach there. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. That yeah. in itself, and I think when people are evaluating to have advice or help, they, they discount that completely. Yes. Right out of the out of the the fact that hey, all I did was keep you disciplined, and you weren't pulling in and out because when they're looking at alternatives, when they're getting ready to re-engage, for example, they're just looking at the last ten-year return. They want to see your performance numbers, Ethan. Right? We've right. talked about that. Right. They're not going, hey, geez, I panicked and pulled out at the very bottom of the market. What did that cost me in return relative to what you did for your clients? They want to know. What did you do? For, what did your portfolio do for the last ten years relative to some index? Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately for us, the funds that we the, the portfolios we've done have done very well. Yeah, sure. Partially because they're built upon the premise of capturing index returns. <laughs> exactly. And then if there's some ad, right? 
Um, so we're always delivering what we're promising, but there's more value in that relationship there of in what's going on with these funds than investors give credit for. Ethan, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back, we'll finish this, and then we'll uh, talk about a couple other concepts. All right. All right. Be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on, it will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck, a no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back. Empirical Investing Radio. If you want to give us a buzz, call us here at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You're welcome to uh, ask for Ken or Ethan. Yes. And uh, Ethan, you know, if you do give us a call and you have 
you know, some questions about your personal situation, we can help you wherever you are in the country. That's right. Um, we're willing to do a free overview for you and proposal to show you how we'd invest some money. Um, if you give us a call and you have a question that you want to, we wind up reading on the show or any of that kind of stuff, we'll give you a free book. Right. We have a variety of investment books we recommend. So it's all good times. You can visit our website, www.empiricalfs.com. Ethan, let's get back into the mix here. Uh, all right. One quick question. Should we be talking, you know, I just, we, we talk about these detailed issues and things that I think are very important, but then I see other people who do programs like Susie Orman and this guy that, oh, I forgot his name, Dave, something that Ram's written books. Oh, yeah, he's popular too. But there's another guy who's written like the he's the latte factor guy. Oh yeah, and and I don't know. I mean, I'm just this is just a, this is a serious question because uh, you've seen the stuff like Susie does, right? And sure. It's like, hey, how do you feel about that? And a lot of the advice I've heard her give when she does try to get into some technical isn't very good. That's just my opinion. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, should we be talking about lattes and hey, you you know if you could forego a latte. And put that money in your investment account, um, or be talking about your emotional feelings and things of that nature. Is that better than what we're doing? And I'm not trying to make fun of the, of the stuff. I yeah, I, I mean, there's there's, there's a certain part I don't of the what, market I think that's, yeah. that's useful for if, if folks need help saving money. Well, yeah, then talking about having not buy a latte would do that. I mean, are some things common sense? Like, hey, you know, in order to retire, I I should be even though people aren't doing it. Do I need to tell you to forego a latte and put money into your investment account or um, have a bunch of, you know, emotional stuff that doesn't have much to do with financial planning or investing? Is that what, what's going to get me on TV and get me my own program? Well, I, I think chairs to, around the room like to some, some extent, probably, because uh, there's a lot more people that need that type of help, probably, in terms of numbers, sheer numbers, uh, than not, maybe, right? I mean... yeah. I mean, the audience for Susie Orman might be 100 million people. We're really... Susie. Or 200 million. Who knows exactly how many people, but it's probably a broader audience. There's a, there's a wider net there of people who can relate, probably. Right? So it's a different angle. I think it's a different different part of the... Like, there's a guy... Different demographic. <clears throat> there's another guy, and I don't remember his name, but he's also on... Maybe it's CBC, but it's on the weekends, and uh, I was in the airport or something and watched him, and, and he just... He is a self-proclaimed money guru and he just said well i made a bunch of money um doing stuff and so now he has a show on tv there and uh, he wears glasses do you know what i'm talking about it's like on cmc and um so you watch it and and he does all kinds of you know uh advice about clipping coupons and and those kinds of things oh i see uh-huh. you know or just general hey you should there's a lot of talk you know hey these are these are different ways not to get scammed and Mm-hmm. Um, identity theft and credit and all that kind of stuff. I mean, should we be doing that? Because we, I think it's again, it's a different audience. Yeah. I mean, folks who are who are who are spending time, you know, clipping coupons or that sort of thing. Not that that's a, at all a bad thing. It's just they're a different stage of life probably than the folks we're probably typically working with. Yeah, they're lo- they're more people who hey, I need to find ways to save. Where we're we're more we we help people who have already saved money. You know, right. people who have. Um, Seven hundred thousand dollars in a couple in a, a number of accounts, they they have already saved money, and so they're looking for the best way I think to execute um, a strategy on that money. Whereas the folks who are clipping coupons are really looking for ways to save money so they can 
migrate up to the next level, right? Okay. I think it's different. But I want to get on Oprah too, man. Well, you're gonna have to hurry because her show's going going off the air here. Oh, that's the, right. End of the year. I'm not sure that's gonna happen. Should I? Maybe I can give her a jingle or something. Okay. Well, whatever you got to do, <laughs> and because we could certainly do a lot of that, and and um, I the show purpose of the show. I mean, one we we you mentioned that we wanted to reach out to advisors. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd love to help individuals, but I I don't. We never really felt that hey, we're gonna be out here getting flooded with calls no matter how profound and intelligent and brilliant your ideas are. <laughs> and uh, and they definitely are, Ethan. I mean, you, you do high-quality work down here. <laughs> well, They're not as sensational. Nice. You know, I wish you'd get a little more angry and throw things around. That's true. I tend to like stay that. pretty even keel about stuff, yeah. usually. Yeah. And, Unless uh, it's about our vendors. Yeah, you do. You have a passion. But what we're really trying to do is help people, and I, and I certainly want and I believe that there's a lot that can be done no doubt um it's just sometimes i get annoyed because it's like hey the things that get focused or talked about really aren't in the long run going to get people to where they need to go yeah they're not the um, most important things no no there's yeah. a lot of chit chat and discussion about this issue or that issue or clipping a coupon it's like hey maybe what needs to be done is something a little bit bigger picture than that or saving a latte or you know what i mean there's certainly um it's a good idea to budget and run a budget, and I know we have a lot of concepts, and we volunteer and teach people, and that's the purpose, you know, is to educate. So I just, I don't know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. All right. Um, let's get back into this, because now we only have a few minutes, Ethan, in conclusion on the, um, this idea of, you know, the, the ranking on the funds, and you had, a, had ever so clearly and eloquently explained the differences between dollar cost, uh, not dollar cost, that was last show, uh, dollar weighted returns and and uh, time weighted, time weighted, and rather than just talk about these principles, we do try to say what's the practical application. So what does this mean? Um, and I think Ethan is on the break. We were saying the the real thing is not to flood in with DFA. If there's anything to be gleaned by the fact that that DFA has had uh, their investors have experienced higher rates of return than their printed published time weighted returns, is that the value is because of the advisors who are working with these individual clients. They're enforcing the investment discipline. They're the they're one fund that you can actually look at the data because they don't open the fund up to retail mm-hmm. clients. So Vanguard and other index funds, they do. Right. Um, but it's the real exciting thing I think there, Ethan, is the fact that you know it substantiates the value of the advisor. Because it's not DFA, it's the advisors who are keeping the, their clients in the in the funds that, that's adding the value. That's and right. We're not married to DFA. We use some of their funds, but there's if we find a better investment product for our clients, um, what's adding the value, the greatest amount of value for our clients is the discipline that we're bringing to the strategy. Exactly. Keeping them in the right funds and the right asset classes in the right times. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty indifferent as to what fund that may be assuming that they meet the criteria we put in place. Exactly. So I think that's really under under underweighted a lot. I mean, that's to me you know, that, that makes a difference between success and, and ultimately failure is uh, executing a disciplined strategy. And it's just like anything else in life, you're m- much more likely to get where you want to go more quickly if you focus and are disciplined about it. You know, if I wanted to drop 10 pounds or something, well, pretty sure if I ate right and exercised and enforced that discipline, I'd be there much more quickly than not. And it's the exact same thing on the investment side. 
That's a good point, my man. You're darn right it is. Doggone it, <laughs> Ethan. <clears throat> hey, is that the time? We are out of time. Oh, great. So, another fantastic week. Um, we hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you next week. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.